Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I'm your host, Michael Myers, and with me is... Nick Richards. Yeah, you're way better at this than I am. <laughs> I've had practice. It took a few episodes to get the... It took about like six or seven. Pattern. Yeah. yeah. Um, but today, we're not crossing anything off our shame lists. Uh, nope. nope. Today, we're just going to talk. Uh, <laughs> like we always do, I guess. This will also mark our very first foray into television production. Uh, you just explained it to uh, the people watching, but Nick, you want to give a little... Uh, you want to explain a little... A little bit about this to uh, people listening, and sure. say where it's going to be because I know it's going to be on television, but you know people can still watch it. Right, right. Um, so yeah, we we were pitched the idea of uh, converting our wildly successful podcast into a TV show. Uh, I operate a public access television station on the eastern shore of Maryland. So once uh, we get this edited together and and we get all the the crud cut out of it, um, it will be on MCTV 15, um, probably in one of the later slots for those night owls. Um, but then we'll also get it up on YouTube and and uh, for all the those tech savvy kids that don't happen to live on the eastern shore of Maryland. So you can see it wherever you are. So all of our Fans in Germany and South Korea can can view us live as well. We're huge in in South Korea. We got, I think we got two plays in South Korea this week. It always amuses me because, like, I'll, I'll look at like our uh, SoundCloud, and I don't know if SoundCloud. <coughs> I'm still looking into it. I know it, it'll show us like RSS feed uh, numbers, which means like if it's playing through iTunes or whatnot, what kind of numbers are getting there. But at least through SoundCloud, it'll, it'll amuse me that I'll have like three or four from Madison or Milwaukee and then something from Canada or Korea or something <laughs> strange. It's like, what? <laughs> it's also amusing, too. Ju- oh, continue. Uh, yeah, wonder if it's just, you know, IPs getting rerouted strangely or if there's actually someone that like just ran across us through SoundCloud and went, oh, this is interesting. I'm also amused, too, if you, like, check our messages on SoundCloud and, like, the people that have been following us lately, it's almost exclusively independent rappers. <laughs> awesome. I don't, I, know if they, I, I, I don't know if they're just following everyone, hoping they'll get some follows, but I'm just amused. Most that, likely, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like we are really popular in the underground rap scene. <laughs> Was I'll be honest, I was not anticipating that uh, demographic. I should have planned better. <laughs> I know, we should be talking about, like, Breaking 2. Electric Boogaloo! A Golden Globus production. Another good one from Canon. <laughs> boom. Chip. Boom. No, not gonna, not gonna embarrass myself in that way. <laughs> you know all the words, don't you? <laughs> Anyways, um... So, like I said, today's going to be a little different because we're not talking about something off our shame list. I figured we'd still talk about movies because there's really not many ways we could do this podcast without that. Like, we could talk about what we've just seen. But really, the, the, the way I pitched this to you, Nick, was our life in movies because that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's not just a hobby. It's not just a, uh, um, you know, something we, 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 we love just for fun. It's like I, I think about it. My life is, is revolved around movies. And I feel like if I didn't have that, um, my life would be a little less special. You'd still be special to me. However, <laughs> we without, wouldn't have met. without movies, we wouldn't have met. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. 
But uh, well, um, so yeah, it's yeah, kind of the topic well, I was thinking of, and if uh, I have a couple cool. questions based around, but I figured like it would just kind of it would come from that. Sure, that's just a leaping off point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what are we'll start with this? What are some of your earliest uh, memories of of film and how it impacted your life? It's a tricky question because I feel like. You know, uh, I grew up right around the end of the VHS boom, you know, so I was born in 1990. I had a good 10 years, maybe five to 10 years of, of VHS tapes. Um, and then they kind of they went away for DVD. And that was also a, that's a funny story you know, later on because I didn't get them. Uh I got to see the DVD for, like, Batman Returns, and I thought it was a video game. I was like, what is this? Because, like, they'd always advertise in the back interactive menus, and they'd have a picture of the menu screen, and I, was, I couldn't wrap my mind around what it was. And I was too lazy so, to read what it was. It's so funny to look back on that now as, like, advertising menus as a big feature or, of selling Or point. bios. <laughs> Cast and crew bios. Um, Nobody cares. Well, people care, but we have IMDb for that. Now. Exactly. But uh, my earliest memories, um, besides you know, uh, various weird VHS tapes, usually kids' movies. But my 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 strongest earliest movie memory is uh, seeing Batman Forever. In the theater, I uh. uh what year did that come out? Hold on, let me look that up because this, this is good. I'm really bad with with movie dates. I've got the internet. Now, so Forever was that the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, that was Mr. Batman Freeze? and Robin. Uh, Batman Forever was the okay. one with uh, Val Kilmer in it and uh, the Riddler and Two Face. It oh, came out yeah. in 1995. Jim Carrey. Yeah, it came out in 1995, so I was five years old, and yeah. there, there was a theater. Well, it's actually come back. There's, there's been a renaissance for it called the Avalon in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for those of you who don't know. Uh, and um, and I, I should point out, now that we are going to be on the air, that that is in no way associated with the Avalon Foundation, who yes. uh, is the building that I'm in right now, the really cool you know, historic theater in Easton. So two really cool Avalons. <laughs> that are both historic buildings. Because the Avalon just reopened yeah. a couple years ago after, like I want to say... Uh, uh, at least 10 years of renovations and everything, uh, spending millions of dollars on it. Uh, and it's a cool theater now, but there was something about it when I was younger because, like, there was the, the Avalon's big selling point was that it its ceiling had a bunch of painted stars on them. So, like, you essentially were watching it oh, would be cool. under the stars. Um, but I remember seeing Batman Forever there. And while I have strong memories of this theater, I think it was augmented by the movie. Because in my sure. mind, like when I walked into this theater, it's like there was like a like a, a chain link fence fence somewhere in the theater, and like it had all this <laughs> gothic architecture like the movie. So I think like I remember walking into the dark theater, and the movie was on. So I think my brain has created the image of what the what the inside of the specific theater looked like. Uh, but I remember seeing Batman Forever there, and that's really the only thing I can remember about seeing that movie for uh, for that first time. But uh, it's always stuck with me i i'm i'm sure you could speak more to it but um when we first met we were uh experiencing really each other's personality through our films first because we were at the beloit international film festival beloit. um 
I saw two of your shorts and you saw my feature film and that's what brought us together and one of your films uh, I know Darkness Theater it's a longer name from the What's, Darkness uh, Theater the so name? you're close from the Darkness Theater um, when you were just telling that story I imagine that that was uh, influence on that film yeah yes no yeah like um, uh it's it 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 one hundred percent is even if it wasn't like a conscious decision to to do that it it was subconsciously there because you know as as cinephiles in our age group going to the movies is a big thing like I I honestly don't know uh, how you how, like cinephiles nowadays like who don't love going to the movies it's like what I don't, I just can't wrap my mind around that so when I wrote that film it was kind of like it was not only me trying to tell like what I thought was kind of a creepy interesting story but it was a love letter to movies. Yeah, and by the um, way, you, you, and yet, you, you got well, which of course is oh sorry, continue, which is of course why that film spoke to me so much. Yeah, I'm glad. Like it, it's it's weird. Every t- person I talk to about it has a different opinion on it, and you can actually watch that film on my website, accidentalconcussion.com. dot com. Uh, I don't know which version I posted, but uh, <laughs> I I only say that because there's only there's only two versions. One there, and they're both the same movie, but one of them is. Um, Back in the 80s, there was a horror host by the name of Count Gore Duvall. And uh, okay. he, he dressed like a vampire, and he did he, he presented horror movies. If you look him up, he has a very iconic face. You, you've probably seen him. And I met him at a convention one time, and he, want, and he saw my movie, and he wanted to show it. So I have a movie. My movie's revolved around horror hosts. So I have a horror <laughs> host presenting a movie about horror hosts. And it's That's just awesome. really kind of goofy. Inception. <laughs> yeah, horror hostception. <laughs> but no, what I was gonna say was, uh, you've seen two of my movies that weekend. You got a, you got two very different tastes of my personality because uh, from the darkness theater and love you totally. still, love you still. If it didn't have my name on it, you would just assume two very different people directed those two movies. Yeah, um, and you know, it, it's I, I really respect filmmakers that that can do that that don't get. I mean, it's, you know, people that only do one genre or one style can can create some very cool stuff, but it's always a testament to um, to empathy and understanding character when you can take that and extrude it out to, you know, many different styles. No, I completely agree. Um, I, I'm... I'm guessing, you know, if we can get permission from the director, uh, maybe we can... In, insert a short clip of that while we're talking about it maybe uh which one <laughs> at what well, we to do both yeah maybe you. Uh, if you uh t- tell you what you rewatch it and you tell me <laughs> what part you want me to want you to grab you grab you a screen uh, uh a video section of or audio and we'll throw that shit in for you nice a little treat <laughs> only if you do the same, if if uh, if we throw a clip in for normal, which might now be the fifth time I fifth episode I've mentioned this, <laughs> absolutely. If you want to see a guy in a monkey suit, uh, say namaste to some cops as he gets bailed out of jail. You got it. Oh, and by the way, Butch Patrick. Okay, we can continue on now. Butch, Butch Patrick. Butch Patrick. <laughs> With the Butch Patrick Picture Show podcast. <laughs> um. I for oh, I'll uh, now that we got a wall, I'll throw that same question back at myself. So Nick, how what's your earliest memory of films? Well, Nick, <laughs> let me tell you, um, I, I didn't necessarily 
get into film, I think, in the way a lot of filmmakers that I know did. When I talked to a lot of film, oh, I've loved films ever since I was a kid. I grabbed my parents' camera and was recording stuff in my backyard. Yeah, I didn't do any I would of that love shit. To be able, I would love to be able to tell that story, but uh, I, I like to consider myself a creator of anything. You yes. know, and film just happens to be one of the ways that I create stuff. Um, but for me, film was really a way to relate to my dad, I think. Um, my dad's a farmer. and I didn't I, know that. You know, yeah, uh, I, I come from farming folk. Uh, so do I. <laughs> they're very nice, very blue. Co- I mean, you know, I guess that's well, actually, probably more typical in the Midwest. Well, it's, not, it's actually my dad's side of the family, so my grandparents are all like, um, like, like pig farmers and coal miners. <laughs> nice. Awesome. They're from the Appalachian <laughs> Mountains, so coal mining is like the oh, industry. Right, right. yeah. Um, so we didn't total like, I think we both always respected each other, but whenever we found something that we were both into, I think we'd both grab onto that. Yeah. And and movies was one of the that ways he was really into um, westerns. So was um, my dad. So I got, I got a lot of John Wayne. I've never been scared of the dark. Well, if I had a big horse pistol like that, I wouldn't be scared of no booger man. I'm not scared of no booger man. And Clint Eastwood growing up, um, and uh, then we also, you know, watched the the 80s and 90s action films. But you know, many many good bonding sessions over National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And that's really what I think was the first big light that popped on for me with movies. Um, funny thing is, I told you what my or like earliest movie memory was, but I don't think I told you about like what got me into movies. And it was okay. uh, it was a series of three films. Um. Um. First off, it was uh, I saw. I saw uh, it was the first DVD I ever rented. It was uh, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, and oh, I, nice. I, since it was the first DVD I ever rented, I put on the special features to see how the movie was made, and that just kind of like blew my mind. I was like, "Holy shit, I can actually see how this is done!" Because you know, up to that point, I was I just assumed, um, you know, every time the camera cut, that they just moved the camera right away, and that like I, I didn't understand that really someone wrote it. Like I don't know. I just figured the director did everything. Like I figured the director was one shooting. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand the whole idea of lighting a scene. Like I just figured, oh, they just found a place that had cool purple light. That's cool. How how'd they find that? Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I got to see how that was done. I was like, oh my god, that's cool. And then uh, I saw, I want to say that Halloween, I saw Night of the Living Dead for the first time. Actually, the now oh. defunct channel called G4 was showing it. And not only were they oh, showing yeah. it, but for some reason, um, Mark Borchard from American Movie was presenting it. We're going to have zombies everywhere, like 350 of them. 
We're gonna have a movie crane to capture it all, a full panorama of the madness. I'm gonna have a fog machine about right there. I don't care if it's from NASA, man, but it's gonna create this bog of intensity and terror, man. Night of the Living Dead, live from Wisconsin, Halloween night at 8 p.m., only on G4. Mike, dude, fog it up, man. It's got to be terrifying. I'm just watering the lawn, dude. Nick, you know you know what Mark Borchardt is, right? I don't think so. Um, have you ever seen the movie American Movie? Oh, I, I have not. I should add that to my shameless. Especially because you're thinking. you're a filmmaker from Wisconsin. Like, yes, you need to. Right. It's weird watching that movie since it's made by a UWM graduate about a guy who never went to UWM, but he somehow got it so he could use all their equipment. And it's weird, like when he's sitting in the editing booth and like or one of the editing labs, and I'm sitting in the same exact chair and realize it hasn't changed in 30 years. Uh, it's kind of weird, um, but Mark, Mark Borchardt was was introducing it on uh, on G four. Uh, we'll th- I'll throw some audio clips in or something from American Movie at this point, so you can just see how goofy of a character he is. A hundred and eighty six minute phone call to California at prime rates. What could you possibly talk to that stupid ass brother of yours about for that long? You know he's been having psychological problems lately. Not on my phone bill. He doesn't. Take a motherfucking wild guess. Well, look here, 186-minute phone call to California on primetime? What is that? They're making a mockery out of my words, man. This whole thing is turning into a theatrical mockery. Do you understand that, Mike? No. <laughs> well, you will. I'm going to go in there flying, man, and read this I'm fucker like it's you. supposed to be read, because I've had it. You, you stupid you fucking bitch! This is a 186-fucking-minute phone call at goddamn primetime! I paid the fucking bill! But I saw Night of the Living Dead for the first time, and that had been on my shame list at the time, you know, being in, like, middle school or high school. Actually, it might have been very, very end of middle school, and um, first time I'd seen it, and I was like, man, I could do this. I think I could make this movie. It all takes place in a house. The zombie makeup's cool, but it's not, like, really intense. Like, I could do this. But then um, totally. sometime beginning to middle of high school, I saw John Carpenter's Halloween, and I was like, yes. I, I saw Halloween. I was like, I want to do. I want to do this. It's not that I can do this. It's like I want to do this. And I told my mom, I'm go. I want to go to film school out of complete nowhere. Nice. And I started teaching myself <laughs> everything I could about filmmaking, just through reading books and um, all that. They're like, and I feel like when I was in high school, well, it wasn't that long ago. There wasn't as it wasn't like as easy as like, oh, anyone can go and make a movie because you know cell phones weren't really like as powerful as they are now. Right. Um, but so yeah, that was. Uh, but what was your? F- no, I I oh, had a similar experience, just in in the sense of I really like um, DVD special features, behind the scenes videos were kind of that first door of oh not not only oh this is something that I can actually do, but I would watch them and you know, take note or at least pay attention closely. So that's how I learned how, okay, that's how you get a nice tracking shot. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they clearly weren't shooting these behind the scenes things as instructional videos, but that's how I used them. And there's actually a couple that feel like instructional videos. Anytime you watch anything from Peter Jackson, like it comes off as an instructional video, like him taking you through every <laughs> p- p- piece of the puzzle. Like if you ever get a chance to see his movie, Bad Taste, it's like uh, oh, I think one of the DVDs is really hard to find, but the, one of the DVDs has a really great like couple like at least an hour and a half, two hours, maybe even longer making of feature on it, and like it took him five years to make this movie, 
so much so that he has a fight scene with himself in the movie and a, and it cut and like he's one character and he's skinny and scrawny and then well, when he does the reverse he's he's bearded and fat so much time had changed <laughs> and he had changed so sure. he's going you know shot reverse shot of him fighting himself <laughs> so so uh boyhood wasn't that you uh, groundbreaking of a concept peter jackson yeah, was Pe- doing it on <laughs> peter show. jackson's boyhood <laughs> But uh, uh, what was your what was your earliest movie memory? Like I, I feel like we might have talked about that a little bit in the Phantom Toll booth, but I don't imagine that was your first one. Yeah, no, I. I'll, it doesn't exactly answer your question, but there is an anecdote in our house about the first theater experience that I ever had. That works long before I actually had memories. Um, I was less than a year old, Ooh. Uh, so my. The, my first film that I ever saw was E.T. came out the year I was born, um, 82, and um, my my parents took me as a small child to see E.T., and apparently um, my mom decided that I was hungry and needed to eat, and so started feeding me in the theater, and my dad was so embarrassed he never went to a theater ever again. <laughs> Damn. I thought it was because that's how things were in the eighties. I thought it was hard to get my dad to go see a movie because, like, <laughs> my dad was that type of dude that, like, once he got home from work and put on his sweatpants, he wasn't leaving the house. Like, I remember yeah. one time, you know, because uh, if I ever wanted to go to the mall, it was like a two, maybe three bus rides to get there. And there was okay. one time it was snowing pretty bad, but like I had plans to meet all my friends at the mall, and I was like, "Oh, Dad, could you give me a ride?" No, it wasn't snowing; it was pouring. It was raining. He's like, Dad, could you give me a ride? He's like, you could take the bus. He's like, it's raining. He's like, bring an umbrella. <laughs> and like, if I ever wanted to go, get him to go see a movie, he just wouldn't. He didn't want to spend that kind of money. He wouldn't. If he saw, uh, he had to pay twenty dollars for a pair of jeans. He'd flip his shit. So like yeah, one time he yeah. the, he took me and my <laughs> friends to go see a movie for my birthday, and he just seemed so miserable. I think our dads would get along, you know, and and I'm not giving him enough credit because while it's not technically a theater, he did go out in public one other time that I'm aware of to see a film, and you were in the room. It was <laughs> the Beloit Film Festival to see Normal, and it was it was really cool because I I knew that that's not something that he did. He doesn't go. He, you know, he he doesn't really did going out in public a lot, and especially when there's a lot of people. But the fact that he came to this screening was was really cool. I've got two stories like that about my own dad. Uh, one of them, what, it wasn't anything I was involved with, invo- involved in, but like I started getting to that age where I was trying to find things to relate to my dad with because like he's just, I was just trying to get to know him. I don't know why. I, just, you know, I, I think every kid goes to that. Like your, your father, who you're kind of afraid of as a kid, you uh, as you get older, you're like, you know, I want to try to get to know him. And um, I knew he was a big fan of Bob Dylan. And it was wrong. It was uh, they made um, this Bob Dylan movie, it was a narrative film, where they had three or four different people playing Bob Dylan through different p- periods through his life. Oh, yeah. I cannot remember the name of this movie right now, but I remember like Tilda Swinton played him at one point, and like that was the most like biographical section of his life because some of them were kind of like free form and more based on characters that he played. But um, sure. it was playing at the Downer Theater in Milwaukee, which is you know on the east side of town. Which for those who don't know, east side's kind of like the uh, the uh, the hipster artist area for the college town. So that's not my dad at all. Uh, <laughs> I was in high school. 
So I couldn't really get down there by myself. And I wanted I, I wanted to see this movie, but I wanted to see it extra bad because it was about a person that he loved. Um, and he agreed to go. And I was like, oh, God, this is cool. Is and, like, he bought himself a popcorn, and he doesn't. he's not much of a snacker. So, like, that was big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I didn't anticipate them, this being an art film. And he got so bored. <laughs> Yet he got up three or four times to smoke a cigarette. But granted, the movie's like two and a half hours long. And I was like, oh, God, he's never going to see another movie of me ever again because of this. Um, I, I ruined it. I had one And then, shot. like, he also hated it because, like, he was trying to find parking. And he couldn't find anything down uh, in the east side because the parking sucks down there. And I was like, well, there goes my one time to watch a movie with my dad. But then, like, <laughs> as I got – as I started uh, – getting involved with movies and like you know i could have just been a pa on something but he was always first in line to go see it and that's what made me like it kind of changed our dynamic a little bit because like he hated going to the movies but if i was involved he would be there no matter what awesome yeah that got kind of ended up being like a nice little love letter to our to our fathers our fathers and movies and (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I should say a dirty word or something just to make it less awkward because now it's just kind of gotten sentimental. <laughs> Mud. <laughs> Mitten. <laughs> uh, so did you have some, some other questions that um, you kind of pre-prepped or did we go too far off the no, it's, path um, for that? I, I do have a couple other ones like, um, like, do you have a favorite movie and why? Or maybe if not a favorite but like a couple. Or something, just kind of give me an idea of like the taste of Nick. My my top five has shifted a lot over the years, but my top one has been locked in for quite a long time. Um, we may have mentioned it in our Christmas episode because it is it's a wonderful life. I think we did, but I don't know if you explained um, why it's your favorite. Sure, um, I. It's it's one of the many, many films that every time I watch it, as long as I'm actually sitting down and paying attention, which is a luxury that I don't always have, um, but as long as I'm paying attention to it every time at the that final scene where they're, all the friends are coming through and he reads the inscription in the book, I will I will cry. My favorite, uh, my favorite scene in that movie is when he's running down Bedford Falls. Yippee! Yippee, <laughs> Bedford Falls! Hello, movie house! <laughs> Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> you beautiful old Bailey, Bailey building in love. Yay! Hello, Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building in love! In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for um, It, first off, uh, I, I love it for, for many, many, many reasons. One of those, and these are in no particular order, um, again, what, uh, the, when, when I realized how much I liked it, um, I was in college at uh, UW-Whitewater for music. And I was there for one semester and I got I got brought into first off it was it was just kind of a rough year for me, and um, I would watch that every couple weeks just to kind of 
remind myself of what was important in life. Um, friends, family. Right. Um, and after that semester there, I got called into the head of the music department's office. Um, I, when I left high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, and I, I was in band. It seemed like, okay, I'll go do that, I guess. Um, got called in after a semester at Whitewater, and she said as politely as possible, you're not good enough to get in as a music minor on probation into the school of music. (laughs) Maybe you want to find another career path. Damn. And and in in my defense, my audition for this, now I'm by no means a, a really good, but I was competent in high school. I was in all the higher ones, but my saxophone, like I don't believe in fate, but I think my saxophone like betrayed me to get me onto it. Parts were falling off in the audition. My reed snapped in half. I did, I was poor. So I didn't have a bunch of other parts. I had a shitty saxophone. And so I I think in part it was my saxophone betraying me, but only in part, I'm, I'm not putting it all on that. It makes complete sense that you played saxophone. I can't explain why, but like once you told me that, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and now you know me a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and that movie, again, it was something that I watched during that tough time that kind of said, this feels terrible right now, but it's not what matters, and you'll be fine. Uh, then as I started getting into filmmaking... I, again, continued to watch it on a somewhat regular basis, and I really appreciated how, in that film, the because of the time that it was made, the editing is far from perfect. The camera shots are far from perfect. Some are really good, but there are some that are, like, just, just definitively bad, you know. There yeah. are some jump cuts that are terrible in there. Um, the, the acting... When when you compare it, because the style is so different, it's not accessible to everybody now. That it is it is a film with many flaws by today's yeah, standards. The, the my biggest flaw. Still, for, oh, go ahead. No, no. So my biggest flaw with the film is actually that uh, the scene where like the angels or God is talking to Clarence, and it's just like a bunch of like like. Like uh, a bunch of lights just flickering, and, uh, and, the, and I believe it's like the first scene of the movie, and it's like it's such a slow way to begin the movie. Yeah, and then when uh, Clarence is called for, like a little star just zoop right across the, the screen. <laughs> like now it's comical, but it's not. Uh, it's not visually pleasing. So it it is a film with many many flaws, but it is still a great movie, and that's when I kind. It, it was that film that kind of put my focus as a filmmaker on the narrative because I think the narrative is so powerful that all of the rest of the flaws are excusable. That's fair. Um, I'm kind of the same way where like my, my top five rotates quite a bit. Uh, I've got, I, I want to say I've got a staple of like probably somewhere in my 10 that are always kind of rotating for top spot depending yeah. on my mood. But the one uh, I always pick as my number one favorite film, even though I know I've seen better films since that, but it's this is the film that meant, meant the most to me, is is Halloween. Because yeah. I wouldn't be a filmmaker had I not seen Halloween. And 
I, I still think it's a perfect movie, even if it's not like perfectly made at times. It's, it's like for everything that I'm looking for in a movie, it's it's fucking near perfect. But uh, I, I have a, a short list of like uh, my if I had to pick like a top four, uh, the ones I've been going with are, are, are uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, Heather's um, Blowout and Ed Wood. I have not seen any of your non-Halloween top four. You haven't seen any of those? No. Oh, Nick. <laughs> I'm I, certainly I figured familiar at least, with them. I, w- I figured at least you would have seen Heathers or Ed Wood. I, I'm, f- I'm certainly familiar with both of them, but they just never made it. Like never blowout, made it to the machine. Blowout, I'm not com- super surprised by because it's... Uh, it, I wouldn't say it's super obscure, but it's a little more obscure than the other two. But the other two are certainly mainstream movies. I mean, even outside of mainstream cult uh, films, filmmakers, right? Yeah, um, particularly with Heather's, like that's something that's pretty ubiquitous. Everybody knows what that is. Blow, it's um, pretty great because it's 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 about John Travolta. Even though he he's playing a character to me, it's just John Travolta <laughs> using filmmaking techniques to solve a murder. Nice. <laughs> well, we will have to add all three of those to my shame list and yes. get them checked off. Um, I'll just... Uh, I have not updated this list in a while, but I'll rattle off some of the ones that have been in the top five over the course of my 20 years that I've kind of thought about it. Um, Dogma. Kevin Smith's uh, Ode to Religion. Oh, yeah. That uh, the, that and Chase and Amy are always beating the shit out of each other to see which one would, would, would like... <laughs> would uh would make my top and as of right now it's chasing amy would be my fifth but dogma usually uh ends up low blowing chasing amy and taking over for a couple of days um slc punk okay that's a great one i haven't i haven't seen it in a while but i yeah i love that movie that was another one where afraid to watch the sequel though i saw it it's nowhere near as good but it was enjoyable it's charming you know yeah Okay. It, I didn't feel like I wasted my time, but if you hold it up to the standard of the first, you Sh- won't. Should I rewatch the first one first, or can I just jump right into it? You can jump right into it. Cool. I might have to do that this weekend. Um, I was gonna. Oh, Fight Club. That was yeah, of one that that really like blew my very linear thinking mind away when it comes to writing and stuff. The first time I saw um, it was when I bought my first Blu-ray player, and I found it for like a couple. Like I saw, I saw it for like ten bucks, and that was the first time I saw Fight Club, and I was like, "It's not. This movie's gorgeous. It's got a cool soundtrack. This movie's rad." <laughs> Though it was replaced by another of his films, the film that was on longer than the replacement was uh, Memento. Yep, uh, which was then replaced by The Prestige. Um, which we've discussed on the show before. Um, oh yes, yeah, and really anything by him is pretty great. <laughs> him so being Christopher some... Nolan, I don't think you said his name. Yes, sorry. he's just he's. I he, don't need to. <laughs> everyone knows who him is. <laughs> uh, no, um, it's it's a it's a great list. It's also interesting because like while there's like uh, spillover from both of our lists of things, well, from your list that I like, it's like we have two very different lists. Yeah, and we have almost ten years separating us. I I wonder how much is uh, time, generation, generational shift. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing 
it's not much because our tastes line up pretty closely and and it's not that far away that we're in different you know generations however one thing i'll say about being a cinephile nowadays and especially because we live in the best time for being a collector or a fan because there's so much out there to get uh and so much of it is made available and uh this will go into a a topic a short topic i'm going to mention in a minute i'm kind of a blu-ray snob because I want things to look the best they possibly can. And we live in a golden age right now of physical media where there's, well, yeah, not everything that's ever been released is out, but there's so much shit that shouldn't, we should not have a pristine copy of a, of a movie as terrible as the microwave massacre, but we do. But we and do. we're, we're grateful that we do. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the point I was trying to make here. Um, oh, my, one of my biggest problems being a cinephile nowadays with so much being out is it's so hard to catch up. There's so much, so many things from the 80s and 70s that I haven't seen that I feel feel like it's daunting. It's like, I don't even know where to begin. Well, and and that doesn't even take into account things like, um, God, what is it, MGM, and I'm sure some other studios do it too, where that's how I got the Phantom Tollbooth. Like, yep. that isn't something that they made available on DVD to try and make some money on. They just open, they digitized as much of their catalog as they could, and if you order it they'll burn off a copy and send it to you and i love that like that's the only reason i have the movie uh don't be afraid of the dark guillermo del toro <laughs> remade it a couple years ago but it was based on a made for tv movie and uh, they had it on their website for a couple bucks and i was like you know what bye yeah so you'll never you'll never see it all you'll never get no. caught up um but again, like, what a great problem to have. Yeah, and then like, there's times like with last night. Like, there's been movies. There's movies I saw once or maybe twice, and I didn't think very much of it. But then I'll rewatch. Like last night, I rewatched uh, John Hughes' Pretty in Pink, and I had seen it either right at the end of middle school or at the beginning of high school. And I went in with it like, I went in with a negative view because I was watching with my mom, and while she liked it, while she likes the movie. She automatically told us, like, oh, this one's not as funny as 16 Candles. <laughs> so, like, I already went in with, like, oh, this one's not as good. Because it's, 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 while it's still a comedy, it's more of a romantic film. Um, sure. And I rewatched it last night, and I thought, well, one, this movie's amazing. Um, uh, one, I think it's actually a better movie than 16 Candles. 16 Candles, though, I still like, is a little rapey. I rewatched <laughs> it a couple years ago, and it's a little rapey. <laughs> just, a, just a touch. Um, a smidgen. But, uh, like, I rewatched 16 Candles, and um, I had seen, I watched Breakfast Club around the same time last year, and, like, I, I came to the conclusion finally that, well, I think Weird Science is my favorite of John Hughes's movies, uh, for no specific reason other than I think it's just the funniest one he's made. Um, I'm also a big fan of the TV show that I, spun off of oh that. Oh, my God, no one else remembers that show, but I fucking love I think it's all, it, you, could, you could watch it all on Hulu right now. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was actually going to do so that do today. do yourself a favor and catch up on Weird Science, the TV show. Weird Science, the TV show is what taught me that you can make a Reese's peanut butter cup by putting chocolate and peanut butters and peanuts in your mouth separately. <laughs> so it's, infor- it's educational. Yeah. But um, Weird Science is probably my favorite, but uh, uh, I finally came to terms with uh, – well, everyone says The Breakfast Club is John Hughes' best movie, and it very well might be. I think it's his best written film, but uh, Pretty in Pink is definitely his best directed film. Okay. Like, every, like everything uh, it was just working perfectly in that film, and uh, yeah. And plus, I, I also As- realized when I saw it the first time, it was around that time where uh, I think uh, Paramount uh, was struggling to get, keep the rights for all the music in the movies, so they were replacing it with generic tunes. 
at the, <laughs> one of the near the end near the end of Pretty in Pink, they score an entire scene with uh, a New Order so, uh, with New Order's Eligia or Eligia, and it's so much more powerful than putting generic ass music in. Right. Uh, as as much as I love the Breakfast Club, whenever I watch it, I that that last freeze frame, I'm like, yeah. really? That's the way we're going out. No, oh, that's cool. Creative and choice. Just I'd... very <laughs> slow uh, fade down to black. Yeah. It was it was another time. I wouldn't have made that choice, but that's uh, okay. A choice I wouldn't have made in that movie is the dance sequence where they're all like just dancing for some yeah. reason, like, montage dance. Like the, uh, it's, it's, there's a couple scenes that are just a little cringy, but I I kind of go with the time. Like if I would have seen that that you, final frame in the '80s, I probably would have went out and bought that jacket and a scarf and just stu- <laughs> been doing just, that just too. Walked around town throwing your fist. In yeah. the air. <laughs> um, I have a confession to make. And this seems like the episode to do it in. No, it's good. I think it it fits the theme. I may have actually told you this, but I don't remember whether or not I did. It's part of what I love. I, I was re-listening to our first episode the other day. I do that occasionally and too. Like I just curious how we come across. Yeah, it's. I liked our our description of what a, a shameless is, and and that describing that moment of being in a group of people and them talking about a film and you just kind of going, yeah, that one, and nodding along. Yeah. Um, so the when we first met. You saw normal, and you said it actually reminded you a lot of Repo Man, the movie. Okay. And and to the best of my recollection, I'm pretty sure I did that, that very thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yes, cool. I remember this. Having never seen it before. So that, like, I think this podcast is a perfect reflection of the entirety of our friendship and how it started because it started with that like it started with that, a lie <laughs> with that pretending so that i wouldn't get like it, like i don't care i i really don't like oh i've never seen that oh you would have been like oh cool you should check it out and that would have been the end of it and which by and the way you still should check been it out friends. I should. It's if you'll go back and read through my shameless on the Facebook page, it's on there. Oh, it's buried. Oh, <laughs> it's buried. But you it's hit there. it. I like it. <laughs> so I I just wanted to mention that because I think it's cool that we're doing this podcast now when that's happened in that first day. Of <laughs> I've got a confession as well, Nick. Ooh. I've never seen Try normal. First. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What what film is that? <laughs> I've never seen it either. <laughs> you directed if your eyes closed. You never saw it. <laughs> yeah, never. Nope, not one, uh, not one frame. But uh, uh, I think the last uh, one of the last points I, I really uh, it's it's technically two points. Uh, the two last two things I really want to talk about on this, unless you've got things that you want to talk about as well, is one. Um, this is this is unfair because it's actually like a three part question. Um, <laughs> Like, when it comes to movies, like, what kind of things do you like and dislike? Like, is there an ideal type of movie, an ideal situation? And do you believe in the perfect movie, slash, do you believe in a guilty pleasure? There's um, a lot to I, unpack there. Yeah. But it didn't, the, it didn't work as separate questions. 
I'll start with the middle bit because it's the one I can answer most succinctly. I absolutely do not believe in a perfect movie. Okay. Uh, no such thing. Uh, you free to dis anyone's free to disagree with me, but I I have I don't believe in it. Um, I think what I look for in a movie is one that makes me feel anything. Like I, I I'm always curious to know what the director was hoping to convey to the audience, what he was hoping, he or she, that was, he, he or she, I only said that because I'm a guy, <laughs> um, what they are hoping to elicit from the audience. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, you know, whether or not a director or writer was successful is did they elicit the reaction that they were hoping to, and that isn't necessarily linear either. They might have been hoping for a range of emotions or to get you to react in any way. Um, so what I, when I go into watching a movie, all I'm expecting is to to react in some way. Whether that's that. to be entertained, to, to be uh, intrigued, to, to get me thinking about something in a way that I've never thought about before, to laugh, to cry combinations of those things as long as it does something like that then it was good okay no actually i have a very similar opinion well one um it's a cheat answer while i, I do believe there is a perfect uh, thing is a perfect movie to you to yourself there's never going to be one movie that everyone's going to think that this is just amazing. Like, to, in my personal opinion, and based on my taste, I think Halloween is a perfect movie. Whether or not it actually is, it's just for my sensibilities, it is a perfect movie. Sure. So it's kind of a cheat and answer. My personality is very, like, I stray away from yes and no, black the, the binaries. I live in the middle, the gray area where, and even, like, my my favorite films could it have been better sure of course could could they have elicited more of a reaction sure of course could they have elicited the same reaction but tightened up the cuts of course like yeah. you know there's could they have made it worse of course yeah could they have made it different and still get, you know there's so so perfect i find a very no that's fair like, maybe tricky maybe word maybe perfect is the wrong word i just couldn't think of a better one uh, yeah. And then also what you're saying about what you look for in a movie. Um, this is a quote I've stolen, but it's it's <laughs> really it, it really resonated with me because I, it was what I was always looking for in a movie, but I was never able to put into words. <clears throat> Unintentionally, a shout out to another podcast. Uh, there's a podcast I, I listen to uh, very often called Shockwaves. They used to be another podcast called Killer POV, and they're uh, it's a horror podcast. And one of the hosts on the show is named Elric Kane. And he is actually a professor, uh, I think, for Relativity University. And uh, he said he said a couple times, but there's one episode where he said that um, more than anything, when he goes to see a movie, he just wants to feel something. Good yep. or bad there or indifferent. Go. And he said if he's felt something, then it hasn't been a waste of his time. And I found with myself that's very true. Like... Um, Last year, for example, there was a lot of great animated films that came out. Um, I don't remember what ended up like winning the Oscar for best uh, best animated film, but I was rooting for the Good Dinosaur, which was the very was was the unpopular choice. Um, but I wanted that film to do well because it made me feel something more than any of the other animated films did. And I find that's what I'm looking for. I want to feel just something. Yeah. I want I, I want those feels, you know. 
Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, before we move on to my very last question is uh, I want to talk about the idea of um, of uh, a guilty pleasure because I don't sure, yep. I don't believe in a guilty pleasure. Um, I I believe that it's certainly a, a thing that exists, but I think more of what you're speaking to is it's you shouldn't feel guilty about liking something that you like. No, exactly. Like the, uh, you should like. I've never liked also like uh, like terms like oh, it's just it's it's so bad that I love it. No, right. you just love it. Don't, don't <laughs> you don't need to explain like. E- uh, I've always hated that mentality of so bad it's good. Or it's like no, if 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 you love it, it's just you love it. It's just good for you. You don't need to yeah. uh, save face by by mentioning how bad it is. I don't like that. That's a genre. So I don't believe in the guilty <laughs> pleasure. You know, like I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm I'm fan of Lady Gaga. I'm not going to say that's a oh, guilty yeah. pleasure. I just I just like what she does. You know, I'm a, I'm a Taylor Swift guy myself. There you go. See. <laughs> I was trying to think of one of her song lyrics to throw down, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I went back when I was in a band. We did a uh, a Taylor Swift cover, but in the style of the White Stripes, that <laughs> just knocked my side. I loved it, so that was my favorite song to play. Oh God, she had a she had a huge hit on, on her 1985 album, and I cannot think of what they were. Um, but there was I was at an open mic night one time, and uh, there was this old dude who came in, and like he just. He has this very unique style because he had like a beat up ball cap that looks like he's worn every single day of his life, uh, uh, denim overalls on, and a, a uh, like a red flannel shirt. And he came in with like a beat up Fender Strat that he had hooked up to a pedal and a tiny little amp, and he just busted down uh, this Taylor Swift cover that sounded just like Reckless Eric. If you remember that guy. <laughs> No, uh, he he's pretty fantastic. He he threw down like this super like kind of like early garage grunge style Taylor Swift nice. Reckless Eric song, and that, he's like, "That's the only song I know." Good night. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I got up and just gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> Were you the only one? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now we did uh, "Mean" her song "Mean." Okay. And. It had the the drum riff and the same kind of distortion as "Fell in Love with a Girl." Oh, that's amazing. I wish you would record that because I really want to hear this. <laughs> we'll have to get the band back together. <laughs> get the band back together. I just imagine that scene we're from on a uh, mission from God, the end of Walk Hard, where he's getting the, all the band back together and they're all super old and. And you never once paid for drugs, not once. You pay that that chimp more than you pay us. I had to borrow from the chimp to get a mortgage on my house. And those stupid Siamese glass cats you get us every year for Christmas. I don't want any more Siamese glass cats. The Siamese cat is a symbol of nobility in ancient Egypt. Fuck nobility. Fuck ancient Egypt. Fuck cats. And you never paid for drugs. Not once. You slept with my wife. You slept with me, too, and I've had confused feelings about that for ten years now. And you never once paid for drugs. Not once. <laughs> um, I've only got one last question, except unless you got okay. something. Uh, and this, no, I'm good. And I'm curious, just because, you know, when I was in high school and through college, 
I was single for most of the time. If I if I had girlfriends, they were never very serious. You know, we'd hang out once in a while. But it really, I spent a lot of my time by myself in my bedroom, just doing whatever the hell I wanted to do, playing video games, writing, watching movies. So I feel like the amount of content that I consumed at that point was way higher than it where is now. And I feel like you might be able to speak to the same tune. But now, <laughs> you know, I'm married. Uh, and work a full time. I, I work. Thank you. I work a full time job. I'm trying. I'm, I'm a filmmaker on the side. I'm also an editor for Trauma. And I've also got ADD. That doesn't help. Uh, so I'm busy. You're married. You have two kids. You've got a big boy job. Um, so I'm just curious how how your how cons- your consuming of movies and television shows have changed. Do you have a favorite way? Do you uh, uh, do you uh, do you prefer going to movies? Do you do you rent online? Do you prefer Blu-rays, VHS? Like, kind of give me an idea of how you find time to watch movies, and if a, a perfect world, what you prefer to consume. And I'll sure. give you my answer. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, since my second child, since my son Milo was born, he was number two, uh, my free time went from like, like when I just had the one kid and I was doing more stay-at-home dad slash freelance stuff, I still had plenty of time slash energy to watch things at my leisure. Um, since Milo's been born and I have the full-time job, like, it, I have to work very hard to do anything for myself. Yeah. And even, and even then I'm so tired, either mentally, physically, or both, that it's hard to give it the attention that it needs. Um, and I will say that this, starting up this podcast has brought film back into my life because Aww. it was, it was gone since my wife got pregnant for the second time. Um, I have several scripts that are partially written. Um, I'm actually going to be cutting back intentionally on a couple of things that I do uh, at probably this fall in order to finish up some of those writing projects that I have. Um, so, so yeah. Now, now because of this, I'm taking the time to you know put the kids to bed and say, all right, for the next hour and a half, I am going to do something you know i'm going to watch something and pay attention to it not just have it on as background noise i feel like that's important yeah uh in terms of preference um i you know i i don't have any strong feelings you know i will watch something on on dvd and love it i'll watch something on blu-ray and love it uh there's something very nostalgic about VHS for me that you know I think in the same way that that vinyl feels to audiophiles like that that fuzz that crackle that VHS has I really enjoy um, but but I rarely actively think about that while I'm watching it um, I I pretty easily um, my uh, what's the phrase uh, it's escaping me the my my suspension of disbelief uh, is like I'm I'm not hung up on technical stuff very often. Yeah, when I'm watching things, um, so I can you know pontificate about it from your tuchus? <laughs> Yeah, from from tuchus or any other orify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but while I'm watching the movie, uh, other than just a general nostalgia vibe, I don't have a preferred con- consumption route okay uh for me it's like um 
because like I, I I've had to do and I and I don't want to say like deal like isn't a bad thing because like you know I wouldn't trade my life that I have now for anything but it's like it's just right. it's been re, it's been changing the way that I think about like consuming things and like I often get like really paranoid because like I feel like ha- I usually ask always ask Amanda what she wants to watch because like I feel like if I'm constantly the one programming everything. Uh, I always feel like someone she's gonna get sick of everything of the things I want to watch or like because I'll go through moods where like I just want to watch movies from this specific year that deal with this specific subject you know like I'll get really into like a mood and I was like I just, I, I don't feel like it's fair because I uh, I was one time in a, a short-lived relationship where like I was told that uh it's like you always pick the movie why can't I pick once in a while and then it's like I got really self-conscious about it right um <laughs> Do I do I do that? Oh God! I'll never watch anything I want. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so it's more of a like me trying to like pass the torch a little bit. It's like you know what? You pick something. Uh, yeah. But my my preferred if I could watch everything in a movie theater, I would. That's why I think it's my <laughs> eventual dream one day to like uh, when we buy a house to convert a room of it to an actual theater. Like have a screen, a projector. Maybe a love seat or something. Yeah, I'd love to have theater seating, but like whatever I could afford, like a popcorn machine. Like I want to actually have a real theater, surround sound, or as real as I could do, you know, on a budget. And I want to have like everything hooked up to. If I want to watch a VHS tape in my theater, I want that option. (laughs) Um, Actually, it'd be cool if I could have like curtains that came in and like. Totally. That, that'd be cool. Living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as preferred methods, like, I'm, like um, if I really want to see a movie, like, really want to see it, like, uh, I will watch it pretty much any way I can. I'd prefer, uh, if, I, if it's a new movie, to either have to either see it on Blu-ray or streaming HD. Because, like, if it's a movie that I really want to see and it's a newer movie, like, uh, sometimes DVD is not very kind to how crisp and clean new movies are. Right. Um, I'd rather watch an older movie on DVD if that makes any sense. Okay. It's hard for me to explain why. Like, um, yeah. probably because like the movies are shot so much more, shot in such a higher definition now that I want to see it as high definition as I can. Sure, and and certainly you can't ignore that uh, production techniques are tailored towards the understood presentation media of the time so the the makeup techniques that were used in the 40s and 50s didn't work in the 80s and 90s and the the lighting and makeup techniques of the 80s and 90s don't work now and so to be taking their production and then putting it on that different media can create some strange results yeah because like I, there, there's some horror movies that i'm so used to watching on vhs i feel like it'd be weird if i watched them on on like a pristine <laughs> blu-ray like right. uh it would probably change it for me uh i'm but I, i'm 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 a collector when it comes down to it so my preferred medium is definitely blu-ray because i've got a really nice 4k television that i have the settings set up where it actually put and I, I i notice it now since i've got like a 50 to 60 inch television that i have it set <laughs> so it plays in 24p so it recreates the look of film, and I could never notice yeah, it on a smaller TV. I I notice it. I notice when during movement scenes how that looks, yep. and I only get that on Blu-ray. So it's like it's something I I crave to see it as cinematically as possible. But then all of a sudden, feels like you're watching a soap opera. Oh, got to make sure it's yep. not in thirty. Yep. Uh, but then at the same time, like I I've become a big advocate for streaming because going to what we were talking about earlier about how there's so much old content that I've just never been able to watch. 
um, so many of these streaming channels, you know, because I've got Netflix, I've got Hulu, I've got Amazon Prime, and I've got Shudder for all my horror needs. There's so much stuff out there that I might not, if I was just strictly buying the DVDs, I would have never have seen. It it would would never have made the list enough to pay to have it there. But but when you have the service and you can pull it up whenever, it's gonna hit your screen. Yeah, it's like oh shit, I would have never paid to see the microwave massacre, but I'll stream it. <laughs> Hell yeah! I've I've na- I've now name dropped microwave massacre twice in this movie. If someone goes out and watch microwave massacre, uh, well, one, I'm not advocating that, but uh, tell me what you think. <laughs> Uh, well, I think uh, the time on the clock says I gotta prepare for my next shoot. Oh, so, bully. Um, okay, but but uh, I'm really eager to see uh, how our first TV episode cuts together, and uh, that'll be exciting. I agree. This has been fun. Uh, I feel like uh, we every so often we should just do an off episode where we just where we just sit and talk because this has kind of been fun. Absolutely, like we can pick different topics. Yep. It's kind of what I do with a moment of Michael. I just find something to talk about for a little bit. But uh, yeah. no, this has been fun. Like, I feel like so, I got to know you just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on our next episode, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> for sure this time because you'll have the DVD. Um, I, I don't yet. You will it's by ordered. then. If you don't by then, then there's just something wrong. <laughs> maybe it's in my mailbox as we speak yep uh but no this has been great all right i agree all right is there anything <laughs> else you want to add before we sign off i don't think so uh just my enthusiasm for getting another format and uh and echoing my agreement that uh some uh, this episode is a nice palate cleanser in between our film specific episodes yeah all right, I think that's all I got. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we, uh, I honestly like. I always, I, I've, I've wanted this podcast to work from day one, but I'm such an, I'm such a, a uh, um, that, what's the opposite of op- optimist? <laughs> I can't think at the moment. Pessimist. But I'm such a pessimist at times that well, I don't even know what the word pessimist means. But I'm such a pessimist <laughs> at times that uh, uh, I was scared that like we wouldn't make it to episode ten, and we we're like one away from it. And after almost there, I feel like I'll, once we, I'll make sure we close it down before the next episode. Yeah, I feel like once we had episode ten, like we would, we'd be on such a roll that I feel like we we have it down to. I don't think we're as long as we want this show to go on, it will. Yeah, and I'm a raging optimist, so I'll I'll help balance this out. Well, see, the funny thing is, like I'm usually not uh, such a pessimist, but I just know how podcasts can go. So sure, yeah. but uh. Thank you for everyone for listening. This has been another episode of the Shameless Picture Show podcast, and now the newly formed Shameless Picture Show podcast. Picture Show. I love saying that. <laughs> That's totally the title. We're locking that one. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, have a good one, guys. We'll see you when we see you. Later. Later.